Okay, are we ready to, are we good to go? Yeah, let's go for it. Fantastic. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and romantic comedies. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit uh, purveyor and enjoyer. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I am Martin Hegman, um, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. Uh, and we are here tonight to talk about the Netflix original uh, from 2018, Set It Up. Uh, spoiler warning up here at the top. The movie's a couple years old, but just in case, we are going to be getting into the nitty gritty of Set It Up. So if that is a movie you would like to enjoy spoiler free, pause, go spend an hour, 45 minutes watching it and come right back to us. Uh, so Set It Up is a romantic comedy directed by Claire Scanlon and written by Katie Silberman. Uh, it stars Zoe Deutsch as Harper, Glenn Powell as Charlie, Lucy Liu as Kirsten, Tay Diggs as Rick, uh, and then a variety of other people, including Pete Davidson, for some <laughs> reason is in this movie, uh, as the supporting actors. Oh, and Titus Burgess in a... <laughs> Charming turn is creepy, Tim. Um, so Set It Up is about Harper and Charlie, who are two assistants to Kirsten and Rick, respectively. Uh, Kirsten and Rick are both workaholics in their uh, respective jobs. And in order to actually get some free time and maybe a weekend now and then, Harper and Charlie decide to set Kirsten and Rick up so that they will... Uh, occupy each other instead of their assistance. Uh, the plan goes off, I would say, maybe too well. <laughs> um, and uh, Charlie and Harper then kind of have to deal with the fallout of what it means for Kirsten and Rick to be together. Uh, Kirsten is a sports journalist who runs a very prestigious sports uh news website and Harper has aspirations to being a sports journalist herself. Rick does something in finance. Yeah, we're never quite clear. Something with money. Something with investing. He does a lot of investing. Uh, And Charlie's Charlie's aspiration is that he wants to be rich to impress his hot girlfriend, Suze. Um, Set it up is about how maybe some people's priorities change during the course of this movie. Um, And maybe some people's don't. Um, And by the end, uh, Kirsten and Rick are not together, uh, but Harper and Charlie are. So I don't know how much of our initial conversation about this movie actually made it to air because I famously never listened to my own podcast episodes. <laughs> um, but this was a movie that I had watched the first maybe 15 minutes or so of and turned it off because did not care for it. Uh, and out of respect to Marin and the uh, Vulture's definitive ranking of all of the Netflix original movies, I decided that I would give this one another shot. 
and I would say overall, I found it to be a much more enjoyable experience than I was concerned it was going to be. <gasps> Yay! Um, however, Charlie sucks. Yes, did and not no. ever, did not ever, did not ever come around to Charlie. Um, 100% of my enjoyment of this movie comes from the tag team of Harper, of uh, Zoe Deutsch and Lucy Liu. And I found myself imagining a version of this movie where they did not feel compelled to give Harper a romantic lead, where she could have simply wanted free time on her own to, uh, to start writing and set Rick and Kirsten up and have the whole plot proceed without Charlie. Well, it, it, that wouldn't have exactly worked, though, because they needed the in into, like, Rick's schedule and information. I, I think that you come to learn a lot more about Kirsten than you do about Rick, yes. which works for me. I enjoyed that. Don't care about Rick. He sucks, too. Um, I... I mean, I know that it would be a different movie because obviously what we're doing here is an office-based rom-com. Um, I just, by the end of it, I was like, Harper, no, why? Oh, but they have so much chemistry. Like, mm. oh, they have so much chemistry. That pizza found, scene, like, that is I, major chemistry. I thought Harper had great chemistry with the pizza. I found Charlie I found Charlie totally devoid of personality, of charisma. I uh, even though at the end when Harper is like ragging on him for having the so the sexual charisma of a seventh grader, I was like, no, that's true. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. He just top to bottom, he did not do it for me. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I liked Okay, so this is why it worked for me. Is I liked the dueling arcs of Harper realizing that in some ways she does need to be more like Kirsten and like seek less approval. Um, and versus Charlie realizing that he doesn't want to be Rick and he doesn't want to end up with this wealthy, empty life. Um, and I, I think that contrast um, worked for me. I think, too, that, like, I think Charlie is purposefully a little bland because he's supposed to be, like, finance bro. Um, and, and for me, the scenes that worked to make him feel like an actual character was actually a lot of his playing opposite Pete Davidson. And I would argue that Pete Davidson was, like, perfectly, like, precisely, like, like a scalpel, like, inserted into this oh, yeah. movie. Any in exact more, yeah. Any more of him, and I would have been like, no, why? No. Exactly. He, did, he had my favorite moment in the movie, and I'm going to let you guess what it was. Oh, was it the coffee? It was the coffee. Oh! Oh my god, that, oh, I 100% agree. Besides the pizza scene, I think the pizza scene is actually my favorite moment in this movie, but the close second. Oh, so for our listeners, there's a moment where 
um, Pete Davidson, uh, Rick comes back to Charlie to, he has realized that what he wants is to get his ex-wife back and he knows that Charlie's going to have some info that will maybe help him do that. So he shows up at Charlie's appointment or apartment after Charlie has quit and, um, in a dramatic fashion, um, and asks him for info about his ex-wife. Pete Davidson, who is Charlie's roommate, comes home, says, oh, do you still work for this guy? Charlie says no, and he throws <laughs> his iced coffee all over him. It's so perfectly timed. It was incredible. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I, I think this movie, like, is the perfect use of Pete Davidson. Like, it's just, oh, it's so precise. It's so, like, they give him just the right amount of, like, scumminess. Oh, it's just, it's great. Pete Davidson's movie is great, which is not something I ever thought I would say. Right? But he's so good in this. Um, um, my second favorite moment is when they go to the baseball game because that was the moment when I was like, when I had to kind of step back and be like, am I Harper? Um, they go to, they go to a Yankees game and, um, Harper is wearing a, a Jersey as one does. And Charlie does not understand. Charlie is first of all, wearing a suit to a baseball game, which my dude. Um, but, and then Harper gets to explain to him that guys don't actually like girls who like sports. They like girls who like guys who like sports. And that whole speech, I was like, this is very direct. This is not subtle. And yet it speaks to me as a girl who likes sports and who has had to deal with that kind of like there being sort of an expectation of performative fandom for female sports fans. Um, no, I just, I thought Harper was such, Harper is such a more interesting and well-rounded character to me than Charlie is. And I, part of that is by design because Harper like knows what she wants to do and Charlie doesn't. And by the end of the movie, he's working for a temp agency which he says is good because then he can figure it out. So, like, I get that. But then that also means that our attention is very unbalanced between the two of them. Like, That's Harper, fair. Harper continually gives you more to, like, latch on to. I also think that scene for scene, we get more of Harper's, like, personal life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that they, they definitely could have inserted. I mean, I think it's very clear that, like, there's the imbalance of, like, Harper is the main character. Charlie is the love interest. And I, I think that that could have definitely used some more rebalancing. Um, I definitely think we could have seen more Charlie. Um, I do think, for me, I think that Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell just, like, they had enough chemistry that I bought it. Um, that they, and they like, had connected even, even with like the the much less amount of character that we have been given for Charlie. And this is such this to me is so interesting because it's such a clear indication of how chemistry is subjective like even for the viewer because again, I I don't know that I can stress enough watching them for me was like watching paint dry. Oh. Like I just did not I did not feel it between the two of them. Oh, um, I, I 110% I thought, felt it. And this, again, what I'm about to say may be by design, 
Um, but I thought Harper had way better chemistry with uh, Lucy Liu. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I, I think there was a great, like, dynamic between uh, Kristen and, and Harper. I think that was a really nice, complicated... Because um, I think it would have been very easy to flatten that and just make Kirsten's character just evil. Um, and I, I think they did a nice job of, of really kind of digging into that more. Um, I never really thought that she was evil. The more that we're talking about this, the more that I realized that what I think I wanted to be watching while I was watching this movie was The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, <laughs> That's fair. Like, this movie has very strong Devil Wears Prada vibes, and I think that that's a really good example of how they could have... If, if Harper is going to be the main character, how they could have kind of committed to that a little bit more. Like, if they, if they really wanted... If that was the intention then I think the answer is to make Charlie even less of a character rather than trying to make him more of one mm. so that we are like just totally focused on Harper's journey. Yeah, I, I think... think. Oh, go for it. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I think what happened is that they tried to have it a little bit of both ways. So they either needed to make Charlie more of a character or make him less of one. Because right now it's it feels a little murky about what their kind of plans for his character were, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just a little imbalance there. I think they needed to give him a few more scenes. I do think one thing that they should have done um, is they should have had him break up with his girlfriend earlier. Um, so that we had more time of just the two of them. Like, maybe they could have bonded more over his heartbreak. Like, I, I do think that we spent too much time with Charlie... Of, of We spent too much time with Charlie's character being defined by this relationship that he's in um, that ultimately doesn't work out. Um, and I, I think we're supposed to see a lot of the character development and growth through that, that he starts the film really wanting this stat kind of status symbol of dating a model. Um, and by the end realizes that that's not what he wants. And that, that has to do a lot of the work that has to do a lot of the standing in, um, for things they could have done through, him having conversations with Harper or us, you know, getting to see more time. Well, we really don't want more time with Pete Davidson in this movie. But, like, <laughs> maybe he has maybe another he friend. Needs, I was going to say, maybe he needs another friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, honestly, just even more time with Harper. Like, they, they could have done all that work between the two of them. Um, and I, I think that really the big glaring thing there is, is that the Sue's plot doesn't work as well. Um, I think that is really the weak point of this movie. And and I think they could have devoted that time more successfully to Charlie's character development um, by shifting the time away from the plotline with Suze. Also, it's... Oh, sorry. Because so much of Harper's development is we get to see through her friendship with Becca, 
who is charming and um Becca's fiance. I love that they have a scene in the beginning where it's like the opposite of slut shaming. It's like you could like put this in a PSA for like what does not oh, slut shaming look like? When he's like if we if we had to avoid every place that Becca's had sex in public with a guy in public, then we'd never be able to get anywhere or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And then he, like, high-fives her. Like yeah, but, it, yeah, it's said with total affection. Um, what is kind of wild to me, as you are talking about this, I realize we get the moment with Charlie where we start, where we realize that he's starting to fall in love with Harper. Do we get a moment like that for Harper? Oh, I think it's the pizza scene. Is it? Yeah. I think when she's looking that's, at him I mean, over that's, the pizza. That's, that was it for him, but I don't remember. I don't know. I guess it wasn't as clear for me. Or it was her. the dancing. Like, I do think there's a moment. So Charlie, so Beck or Becca, hello. Um, <laughs> Becca has an engagement party. Harper had, um, Hope to go with this guy she'd been casually seeing who ghosts her. Charlie volunteers to go with her so she's not going alone. Um, and they have this great little moment where they dance together. Um, there's some good banter about each other's dancing styles. And then actually, honestly, one of my other favorite moments in the whole movie um, is Harper gets hungry and she goes up to Becca and she says, I love you, but there's no pizza here. There's no pizza here. So I have to leave. Um, and sure enough, we discover that Becca, seeing she wants to leave with Charlie, has deliberately not told her that pizza is coming momentarily um, to give them an excuse to leave together. Um, but I, I, I think in that dancing sequence, you know, we see Harper laughing, Harper having fun with him. And, and that kind of then rolls into the pizza scene that I've alluded to where they... Um, Oh, another one of my favorite moments. They walk it. They walk up to the apartment, and Charlie opens the door and he says, Third Eye Blind is playing. My roommate's hooking up with the dude." And I just loved that of all things. It was so as a sorry, Martha. I don't know if you know this, but Third Eye Blind is like my favorite band. I'm a Third Eye Blind junkie. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, I um, I know their first three albums like by heart. I've seen them three three times in concert um and, and like sang along to the point where i went by myself and the person who ended up standing next to me turned to me and said wow you really know all the songs <laughs> so i'm like an embarrassing third time blind um and and so i just really enjoyed all songs that he chooses to to hook up to it sounds like it's gonna be which is about a stalker <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I went on a little third eye blind deep dive. I'm so glad that that scene amused you that much. I'm legitimately happy for you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so they, they show up. He's playing the hookup music, so they have to get up to Charlie's room through the fire escape, um, sit together, have this pizza, um, have a lot of great banter while they're while they're getting up um, into the, the apartment to eat the, um, Yeah, so... Yeah, 
yeah, I think that, like, we we get the moment where Harper st- starts to see, like, oh, maybe I like him, like, at the engagement party. And then it's very clear, like, there's a lot of lingering shots of Charlie looking at her while they're eating this pizza. Well, and I think that that's why it clocked more for me for Charlie than mm-hmm. it did for Harper. For yeah. Harper, I was just like, yeah, girl, get that pizza. <laughs> and, like, two slices... And I'd like Roll them crust out because I'm a lady. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> no, I was talking to my pizza. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought I thought Zoe Deutsch was a much more engaging presence than what's his name, Glenn Powell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways he he is definitely outmatched here. Like, I think she's just such a natural screen presence. Um. But. Well, and a, a problem that I frequently have with this kind of movie is that I typically feel like the women are batting under their weight class. Mm. So it's always a little bit like, girl, why? <laughs> you can do better. <laughs> Which is not the, well, sometimes is the point, is not usually the point. Um, but... What did we what did we think how did we feel about the Kirsten Rick story? It was a very weird feeling for me to not like Tay Diggs and something. I know, right? When you know how charming Tay Diggs can be, it is disconcerting to see him be the opposite of that. Um what? Yeah, I think I I I like the direction they took this. I think that Another movie, you know, would have had it turn out, oh, yes, they, you know, Kirsten and Rick do really love each other. Like, and I I like that where it goes is Kirsten realizing she deserves better and Rick realizing, oh, I'm actually still in love with my ex-wife. I need to work on that. Um what was the movie we watched recently where I was complaining that um, everyone ends up in a committed relationship by the end? Ooh. The Holidays. Oh, yeah. What I enjoyed about this is that Lucy Liu gets to realize that she doesn't have to settle and that it's okay that she can just like be in love with her career. And the movie is like, yes, girl. Like, don't... <laughs> Tay Diggs is awful. Don't settle for him. Um, but there's no, there's no like, she's actually been in love with this guy the whole time. It's just, right. no, she's going to go and be an incredible writer and a uh, small business owner um, because she deserves better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the movie is definitely like, not punishing her for that and um yeah yeah i think that's a it's a really smart choice on its part i'm trying to think this movie is a pretty tight hour and 45 minutes is there anything that we might have wanted to get that we didn't we've alluded i think that i think that we could have dropped the sue's plot earlier and had a little more time with just harper and charlie like actually digging into like charlie's kind of 
quarter life crisis. Um, yeah, I needed. Yeah, I needed a little bit more convincing that the two of them were falling in love, and I think that that would have done it. Yeah, um, I think we spent too much time with Suze, not enough time. Weirdly, too much time with Suze, but also I feel like we did never actually get to know anything about Suze. Right, she was just kind of a plot stand-in for the fact that, like, A, Charlie wanted a life outside of work, and then B, realized that he did not want to, like, enter this, like, echelon of finance world and, and get all these status symbols. Like, business, 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 <laughs> numbers. Sorry, that's all I could think of whenever <laughs> Rick was doing stuff on the screen. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, like, Suze was more a plot device than a character, and, like, at the same time, we spent way too much time. Yeah, like, she should have dumped him earlier, and then we could have had that character development, like, actually happen on his own terms, and maybe be part of his growing relationship with Harper. So yeah, that would be my one like plot. Shifting. I did enjoy th- I did enjoy the line in the restaurant where they break up when Sue says, "But you're my backup," because it's like, oh, that's how he got a woman like her. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of bridesmaids when John Hamm is like, "Oh, I guess I won't call you anymore, number three or something." Like yeah. Yeah, and I think it also serves the purpose of, like, not making us feel too bad for Suze. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know her well enough to feel one way or another. Like, it was just sort of like, once they broke up, it was a little bit like getting rid of... Getting rid of dead weight story-wise. Like, I don't mean that, like, got to throw her out like the trash. I just... Right. Like, that wasn't... That wasn't doing anything for the plot. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that was kind of the only wasted. Yeah, because like I said, I think her character was just supposed to stand in for all of this character development. That could have just happened more directly. Yeah, I, I do wish that... I do wish that finance could stop... I wish that people would stop being afraid of making things specific about, like, if you're going to have a character working in finance, like, tell us what that means. Um, you can be, you can get specific, like, we'll get it. I <laughs> um, think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Was it, like, something accounting? I feel like, I feel like Charlie said something about accounting... And it, Rick talks about investing. I don't know. I Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Well, I think the interesting thing, though, with, with portraying these financial careers in movies is, like, on one hand, you want to be specific, but on the other hand, like, part of the point is that the work is pointless. And, like, part of the point is that the job means a lifestyle, not that it's actually doing a specific kind of work. Um, so I think that, I think what you're getting at is, like, it would have been really helpful to see Charlie be like, oh, I don't want to be 
a trades oh god i don't know any financial titles um you know like a securities trader because they have to do x y and z but like i really like math and like would like to be paid a living wage so (laughs) i would consider these types of jobs you know like i think that i think that often the blandness of financial employment in in media is is specific it's it's there for a reason but yeah here it i I think that we they could have used that to be like oh brass tacks like i don't even know what this means right exactly yeah and i i get that i guess i just i don't know at this point that lack of specificity, particularly when it comes to, like, the business world, characters who inhabit some sphere of the business world, it ends up just feeling lazy to me. Mm. Um, and again, it's really hard not to contrast Charlie and Rick with Harper and Kirsten, because I think you're supposed to. Um but Kirsten's profession is so specific. Like she's not just a journalist. She is a sports journalist. Like that is a very specific thing. And then to have Rick exist in this sort of nebulous, like finance world of some kind. Yeah. And I mean, I think that they could have used, that to their advantage of like having Charlie drill down and and figure out what he actually wants to do um i think they kind of allude to it at the end there but yeah they definitely could have really worked with that and delved into that um because i, I just th- yeah, because I think it's just like because Kirsten's ambition, you know, Kirsten's ambitions and therefore Harper's ambitions are so specific. It does. It, it is hard to get that specificity of character with Rick and Charlie. Um, and I think they could have made you, you can still have Rick be a fairly noxious person while also giving his character a little bit more definition. I think you can have that both ways. Mm-hmm. And by the end of this movie, it felt a little bit like, oh, we didn't paint in his numbers because he's just the bad guy. And I am sometimes bored by just the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Yeah. I, I think again, that oftentimes like that, like, It kind of reminds me of, do you remember in season, I think it's season six of Parks and Rec, when they tour Grizzle, and there's some line about, like, we're the cloud in your cloud, like, and they're like, what does that mean? And they're what like, does that well, even mean? Yeah, they're like, we don't know! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there is, I think they could have used that more purposefully, because I think that's what they were trying to get at. Um, and there was some allusion to it. Like, we saw a scene where Charlie was overhearing more senior dudes who were like, oh, did you hear so-and-so is jumping associate and is going to be a VP right away because of Rick's connections? Um, 
And so I, I think they like tried and like hinted at it, but they didn't, you know, they didn't really steer into it. And it could also be that to somebody who's more familiar with the finance world, what Rick does is very obvious and I'm just <laughs> not. Um, but then I think that I'm probably closer to the audience for this movie. Right. Um, yeah. How like, did... Oh. No, keep going. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, if there was supposed to be a more specific reference that we were supposed to get, like, people really had to dig. People would have really had to dig for it. How did we feel about this movie's portrayal of New York City? Um, I guess I didn't have much thoughts about that. I I feel like so much of it takes place in an office building. Yeah. <laughs> that really could have been set anywhere. Um, so there was a little bit of a, a universality about it, I guess. I do kind of think it's important that it's New York City, even if it's just for Harper's story. Like, like, I don't know that there are, like, you, you have to be in a bigger city in order to do what she is doing. Like, I think they could have gotten away with maybe Chicago or Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, all, yeah, I, I feel like it was very purposefully set in New York City, um, also, I am from Chicago, so I should say that I will not be climbing a fire escape for any New York style pizza. Like, <laughs> would you for deep dish? For deep dish? I don't know. For, actually, for deep dish, I would because you got to get a workout in. <laughs> or... <laughs> the Lou Malnati's workout. That's what we can call it. Yeah. Um,. I'm just being a, a snot right now. <laughs> um, but like the, the whole fire, I feel like the fire escape scene is also very quintessentially New York city. Like I can't really think of many other movies that do scenes like that, that are not set in New York city. Yeah. I think pretty woman has pretty much the only one. And um, where's that one set? I think LA. Um, but yeah, new. I, I I think you're right. I think that fire escapes are generally pretty tied to New York or you know Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> which you you get some, which is either Chicago or New York, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, whether you're talking to Tim Burton or Chris Nolan. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I. I thought the scenes of them like rushing between locations were were pretty effective. Um, I thought the scale of those were good, where it's like one small person rushing against the uh, the flow of New York pedestrian traffic. I thought I, I thought the filming in this movie was very solid. I thought it looked really good. It did. It did. I think they made some really clever choices with. Like, the flow and the framing, like, even just that opening sequence of, you know, first showing us a bunch of different assistants, and then at the end, like, swooping up to the window, and there's Harper. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think they made some really good, like, filmmaking decisions. 
Uh, I very much enjoyed the Mexican restaurant that they go to and only eat chips at. Oh, my God. I just love it. Yeah, I just love that waiter. Leave and never come back. Never come back. What you did was not illegal, but it was. It wasn't. It, what, what did he say? It, it wasn't was like bad it wasn't faith. right. Yeah, he was like, it's not illegal, but it wasn't right or something like that. I saw that your phone wasn't ringing. <laughs> oh. Um. So good. Well, I am at least glad. I, I honestly, upon rewatching this, I cringed a little bit and I was like, oh no, Martha might hate this because there are so I, many dislikable people in here. I I loved I loved Harper. I enjoyed... See, Kirsten is the kind of villain that I enjoy because the way that she treats Harper is inexcusable. But... Also, by the end, like, she doesn't have to offer to read Harper's work. Right. But she does. And she even, at the beginning, that she even gives her a window to pitch her something. And Harper doesn't. So, like, she's not a great person. <laughs> and she would suck to work for. But you can also see why Harper is there. And, like, that she's good at her job. Yeah. Which I I enjoyed. Um, I yeah, Rick sucks. Yeah. Um, was not was not a super fan of Charlie. Uh, I didn't hate him, and I will say I had to get fully through the opening sequence with the dinners. I. Where, where they're both trying to get late night dinner for their bosses, which, by the way, nothing closes in New York City by 10 o'clock. Did not understand what they were talking about with all with when Charlie could not find dinner for Rick because everything was closed. Didn't understand that part. Yeah, I wondered if it was supposed to be like Rick wanted... A meal from a certain place, you know, because it is implied that he's kind of a picky eater. Like, there's several mm-hmm. points where he only eats certain things. So I think it was like, oh, all the places he likes are closed or something like that. But yeah, I thought I I did not enjoy that sequence. Um, But once I got through that, and once I got to meet Becca and her fiancé, things started getting better. Um, getting to meet Pete Davidson, things started... Basically, once the world opened up a little bit, mm. I, I had an easier time with it. Good. I also am frequently in the position of whenever the trope of, like... I'm an assistant and works for a horribly demanding boss. Part of me is like, just leave. (laughs) You are choosing to be there. And I know it's not that simple, but it's still like, I would not be able to deal with that. And I would just leave. Um. Yeah. And I, I think at the very least, I mean, I think the movie very explicitly lays out Harper's reasons for staying. And I, I think they give us reasons for Charlie staying. They're not as 
we don't spend as much time on them as Harper, but they're there. Like we are oh, told, yeah. we are told why they're staying. Uh, and I, you know, I feel like I know, I have known enough people who have been in the situation of, okay, I need to stick this out like two years and then I will be in, like, be able to be, mo- to move on and, and have a, like, professional leg up. I feel like I've known, I've known folks in that situation. So that, that rang true for me. Sure, and a job is a job, especially right. in this economy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, part of you does just want to cheer and be like, oh, my God, get out of there. Get out. Well, and then when when Becca finds out that she got fired, Becca's like, congratulations. <laughs> Which I loved. That was so good. I also noticed, and I can't remember if it was in that scene or the scene just before, but I never noticed before, but Harper's actually wearing a Wisconsin sweatshirt. Excellent. Um, So I think the implication is that she was a badger. Does that mean something? That she went to the University of Wisconsin. Okay. Sorry. I am not a Wisconsinite, so I... I barely paid attention to my own college sports <laughs> teams. Yeah, I am. I am also not a not a Wisconsinite, but I do live in Wisconsin. Is there is a distinction? Um, Fair. <laughs> uh, and I I I know many more Badgers now than I did at other points in my life. So I I recognized. That, that would make folks excited. I also feel like uh, Madison is one of those schools where there's like a certain, it, it told me a little bit about Harper because there is a certain East Coaster that would go to, to Wisconsin or Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gave me, I feel like it gave me a little, a little more hint of depth there. All right. Well, do we have any other thoughts? Any other, I think we've pretty, thoroughly talked about how we would change this movie, but do we have any other rom-com rehabs we would do? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I Like I said, I thought this movie was totally fine. Much more fun than I was expecting it to be. Um, I just wanted either more or less from the male lead. Like, be more present or be less present and let it be Harper's story. I think that's a, a fair critique. How about you? Anything that you would tweak in there? Oh, I love this movie. It made me <laughs> laugh glad. so hard. This is like the fourth time I watched this movie, and I still laughed really hard. This movie brings me joy. Um, We do need, before we move on, uh, we do need to spend at least 25 minutes talking about Titus Burgess as Creepy Tim, the <laughs> oh elevator my, operator. Oh my god! As a security guy. Oh my god. Um, actually, that scene told me more about Charlie than any other moment in the movie when he brings Tim a succulent as a bribe to get him to stop the elevator to force a meet cute between Kristen or Kirsten and Rick. And the whole sequence that follows is Tim just being like I will cause problems on purpose. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the what does he has a line about the succulent about like well all the plants die but this one oh. will take longer. No, Harper says like how do you how do you keep plants alive because they're in the oh, yeah. basement I think yeah they're in there's somewhere subterranean with no windows and Harper says. I didn't know you could keep plants down here. And Tim says, oh, you can't. Okay, that's this it. This one will just take longer to die. <laughs> it's so good. Or when Harper reveals that they call him Creepy Tim, he takes it as a compliment. And he's, yeah, he's like, like really? they call me Creepy Tim? I love it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yes. Titus Burgess is incredible at, like, turning, emo- turning an emotion on a dime. Yes. Um... When the delivery guy gets in the elevator with Kirsten and Rick and both Harper and Charlie are like, scrap it. And he's like, time to go. <laughs> Which I, I don't know why my headcanon was that the delivery person in the elevator with Kirsten and Rick like started to strip down. But I forgot the part where he actually urinates in front oh my of God. Them. That part. That was that was maybe a, a joke too far for me. That bit. was a little bit like. Uh, yeah, I did. I changed my head cannon there, but it was a little. Yeah, it was a little bit of hat on a hat. I yep. think, <laughs> but just all their reaction shots to that happening in the basement. Oh my god! Oh, so good. I also just really never care for any kind of scatological humor. Yeah. I'm just never gonna be a fan of that. That's fair. Yeah, I think that would have worked better if they had, like, gone up to that, but not gone through it. It's like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and then the doors open, and yeah. it's like, okay, we don't actually have to do that. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have worked a little better. But just, oh my god, but Titus Burgess's face when they cut back to the screen, and he's just like, oh, mm-hmm. <gasps> so good. Uh, so what would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy uh, after they have finished watching Set It Up? Absolutely. So I'm actually going to recommend a book that will shortly be uh, coming, ah, that will shortly be turned into its own film. So hopefully soon we'll be able to talk about the movie version of this. Um, the Excellent. Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Um which is about, and I picked it because it is also about being an assistant. Um, and in this case, it is two assistants, Lucy and Joshua, who are assistants, uh, coming in from either end of a merging company, um, or so coming from two different companies that are merging into one, and they have to vie for a new job at the newly, uh, merged company, and, um, Lucy, uh, hates Joshua and is determined to get this job over him so that she can be his boss um and and kind of sees all of their interactions as this elaborate game to to win um over him um and yeah it's a very fun enemies to lovers um involving assistance um so yeah the hating game by sally thorne uh so my recommendation when you boil this movie down, as Harper continually reminds all of us, it is essentially born from a Cyrano de Bergerac retelling, uh, which we have done two of, two others of, 
during the course of this show. Sierra Burgess is a loser and also the half of it. Uh, and so in that spirit, I am going to recommend what I think is the quintessential Cyrano de Bergerac adaptation, uh, Roxanne, starring Steve Martin. Uh, this movie is perfect. In it, Steve Martin plays a gentleman with a large nose who helps uh, the more attractive Chris woo Daryl Hannah's Roxanne, uh, even though Steve Martin is actually the one who is in love with her. Um, it does a little bit ask you to believe that Steve Martin is not attractive, even with a giant nose, which, you know, suspension of disbelief and all of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great rom-com, uh, going back to the source material that they are constantly quoting and set it up. I have to confess, I have never seen <gasps> Have we found a classic rom-com that <gasps> I have seen, but you have not? We this have. Is- Marin, this is the first time this has happened. <laughs> yeah. I I maybe can vaguely remember, like, maybe my parents put it on when I was younger. Like, I, I definitely know this, like, the signposts of it, but I, I, I do not remember actually ever watching it. It's very cute, and the internet is telling me that you can watch it on Prime. Well, excellent. Ah, uh, with the stars add-on. You can rent it for $4. That's not too bad. Okay, okay. Well, and I can... Or you if... can get it from the library. I was just going to say, I can see if we own it at work. I know I have beefed up our classic film selection quite a bit, so... Excellent. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's totally charming. I enjoy it very, very much. Plus, it has Daryl Hannah in it, who is also just lovely. Yeah, uh, she is one that, like, should be in more things. She's in my favorite Tom Hanks movie. That's not true. Splash is a very good movie. It's not my favorite Tom Hanks I movie. I was going to say. So. That would be wild. That would be wild. <laughs> that would be quite the hot take. <laughs> uh, so I think that is going to do it for us this evening. If you would like even more of this show, you should check out not only our back catalog, Uh, but also our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, which releases on the same feed on opposite Wednesdays as this one. Uh, On that show, I make Marin's husband, Pete, watch or read various things, and he does the same to me, and then we talk about them in a semi-academic way. Um, You can follow us on social media on all the places at DYDYH Podcast. Excuse me. That was really good audio. Uh, you can follow me personally on social media at Magical Martha, including the newsletter that I write sometimes when I feel like it, uh, tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Marn, where can people find you? Um, folks can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore dance, where lately I've pretty much been exclusively tweeting about uh, romance novels because I don't have it in me to tweet much about anything else so well and people keep coming for nora roberts and i don't understand why people have a death wish right like how have they not learned this is like three times in a year now like it's wild people have the memory of a goldfish it is absolutely (laughs) shocking 
Um, but yeah, if you are interested in mostly currently tweets about Romance Landia, you can give me a follow. Do it. How do you feel about E.L. James and her new imprint? Oh, I have stayed <laughs> very far away from that one. Um, It'll be interesting watching her find new and different authors to plagiarize. Right. Yeah. I, uh... Oh, oh boy. I mean, <laughs> there was a big plagiarism scandal in the the romance novel self-publishing what was that? A year, two years ago. I'm trying to remember. Where like an author like stole like whole paragraphs. It was absolutely from a bunch wild. of different people. Yeah, yeah, from like a huge variety. Um, and it touched, I think, like almost every sector of romance novels. Like there were historicals, contemporary, suspense. Like it. She. Anyway, so. In the wake of that. Um, thank you for joining us. We will see you in two weeks when we will be discussing the Amazon Prime original, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, a 2021 new release. So make sure to catch that before you listen to our episode. Uh, and until then, just remember that we love you. I keep wanting I keep wanting to say a map of tiny pretty things. Oh yeah. Because that's a different show. Well, and there's oh my god, what was that movie? It's like pretty dirty things. What was it called? It's like yeah, dirty pretty dirty things. Dirty pretty things. Yeah, so I think about that when <laughs>